The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, March 15th, 2019, and you are tuned in to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. And of course, in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On today's show, Rick and I are talking news from all around the world of professional wrestling. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook and Twitch, backslash Hitting the Marks. Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but let's give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend. The sick, the real RBV. Rick, I'm happy you're feeling better, buddy. It's me, it's me. It's that honor that beat it me. Rick Vickery. I, I am down, but I am not out. Uh, the flu has put me uh, on the shelf here the last couple of days. But but I've been saving up my energy. And every bit that I have of it, I'm going to dedicate to, uh, to this show. And, and hopefully pull off what we saw last night from the great Zion. Perfect perfection. Let's just hope that he can bust it out tonight because I don't think that anybody should be allowed to leave Duke for the NBA until you beat Carolina at least once. I think that should be a rule for the scholarship program. Devils and Tar Heels getting ready to throw down tonight. We also got Ring of Honors, big 17th anniversary show tonight. We got New Japan Cup kicking back off in the morning. We're on the road to WrestleMania. NXT's on the road to TakeOver. It is certainly March Madness, Huckleberry. Well, hey, man, like you said, we've got the road to WrestleMania. We've got Ring of Honor's anniversary show. We've got March Madness. What more could you ask for? But, oh, wait, there is something. There is something big going on out there. Happy birthday to the Mexican Goldberg. Big Ray Hernandez. Yes, happy birthday to Big Ray. We'll uh, we'll be sure to fit an intermission in here for you since since Big Ray enjoys intermission so much. Huckleberry, let's start off with the New Japan Cup get people caught up as to what's going on we're we're halfway through the second round at this point this past wednesday we saw ishii versus tai chi which was actually one hell of a match tai chi slowly evolving into the japanese version of the miz of course he's still at 2011 miz and i still hate his guts maybe in about five years he'll be absolutely awesome then we also had yoshihashi defeating our boy chase owens but chase got himself his heat back as at the the end of the night, we saw Chase Owens lay out Juice Robinson with a super kick, grab the IWGP United States Championship. It seems as though that match is officially going to happen. Rick, did you have a chance to watch either one of these first two matches here? Uh, I did, and I want to say you know it was kind of rough. He was was hoping uh, that this could be a truly a breakout run here for Chase, but hey, he got that big win, and it was very important to grab that one in the first round because that's going to give him that United States championship, and hopefully that's what we're going to see in the garden. 
yeah, I really hope that match goes down inside of MSG. What'd you think of Ishii and Tai Chi? I know we, we've been very, very down on Tai Chi. There's a lot of people that seem to be getting some steam behind this guy. I still can't stand him. I still think Miho is the best part of his act, and I hate it when he takes off his pants. But I loved watching Ishii just pound the ever-loving crap out of Tai Chi. Well, I thought, you know, it was a fun back and forth. They gave these guys a lot of time. Uh, what, 20-plus minutes, right? Yep. Uh, look, look, look at here. Like, yeah, almost just under 23 minutes. I, th- I thought it was fun back and forth here. Uh, I, I think I'm probably, I probably, I like I Tai Chi's act a little bit more than you do. Oh, he just annoys me to absolutely. And I think maybe that's why I like him. Did I know that he annoys you so much? Yeah, we've got another annoying match getting ready to to come up here. I I was going to say, I I think that I think probably I'm going to say, let's say like at least a third of the Western fan base uh, of those that are backing the individual. I'm sure you're about to talk about. Uh, it's simply been brought about by your hatred for that individual. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of that going on. I think there's a lot of trolling going on when it comes to Yano. Uh, let, let's talk about Thursday's matches before we get to Saturday and Sunday. Thursday saw Will Ospreay defeat Lance Archer, as well as Kazuchika Okada defeat Mikey Nichols. I thought that match was absolutely fantastic. Mikey is going to fit in very, very well inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now we're kind of poised for Osprey versus Okada. You know, the, the the beat the cracker run is still going for Kazuchika Okada. I, I I'm absolutely fully behind this. Of course, uh, he's going to have to face a Japanese guy in the next round after he beats Will Osprey. I'm assuming he's going to beat Will Osprey, right? Well, when we look at going back to the individuals that were the standouts, those that were leading the pack to win this thing, uh, Okada was one of them. So at that point, you know, in that sense, you got to believe that Okada is going to advance here. I have to believe that. Of course, we saw Osprey and White, and it was a good match. That's what I was just going to kind of reference that. We've seen those two go at it. Uh, Osprey wants to get back there and get another opportunity at the champ. I, I'm probably Okada. What, what do you think? 75% to go over here. But I mean, it's not going to be a major surprise. Yeah, if, they, wouldn't if, be if we do see Osprey get the nod. Yeah, I wouldn't be floored in any way, shape, or form. Um, although, one thing that did kind of stand out to me as I was watching a couple of these matches, because we, we've now seen Yoshihashi and Ishii kind of get into it on some of the undercard tag matches. Of course, we're going to have Okada versus Osprey. It's like, man, we're getting a lot of chaos guys fighting each other here. And, you know, and I, I have to wonder if that isn't going to kind of play into this, too, because. Could you really see Osprey beating the leader of the faction that he's in to move on? Well, and you look at all the turmoil we've seen, the chaos within chaos over the last year, like like you're talking about, is that going to reignite that thing? Yeah, that's absolutely something to watch going forward, especially if it ends up Ishii versus Okada, because once again, two members of chaos. Although I would absolutely love to see that match. Ishii is just on fire, man. That guy's... New Japan MVP for like the last three years. He might be the best wrestler in the world that nobody calls the best wrestler in the world. Let's talk about uh, the matches coming up on Saturday. It's going to be Tanahashi versus Taguchi. Spoiler alert, I expect Tanahashi is going to win that match. And then we have Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. And this one's kind of a pick Huckleberry. I'm not really sure which way I fall on this thing, especially now that we know Ibushi is going to be owed a championship match against Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental Championship. Well, you know, this all goes back to, you know, before this tournament began, and everyone was so high on Abushi as the odds-on favorite 
uh, to win this thing. You know, but you have pointed out so you know, if you pointed out on many occasions, it, it doesn't seem that that's going to be the case. That, that, that they're still high on Abushi. But that opportunity is not going to come in the garden. It's going to be something they're going to save for down the line that they're going to have on the home soil in Japan. Yep, still going with Tanahashi to win this damn thing as as things stand right now. Sunday is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be Toru Yano taking on Colt Cabana. We've seen this match before. We saw it at... Uh, what was it? Global Wars, I want to say, a couple of years ago in Toronto. We saw Colt Cabana and Yano square off. This one's going to be a little bit different, though, with it going down in Japan. Rick, you know, this seems absolutely crazy to me, but Colt Cabana is a 20-year overnight sensation. He has absolutely caught fire inside of New Japan. The Japanese audience absolutely loves Colt Cabana. This is his first tour of New Japan Pro Wrestling in 20 freaking years. You know, I, I'm going to hate this match. I know I'm going to hate this match. I'm going to hate everything about this match, but I think the Japanese audience is really going to enjoy it. Well, let's, let's go back to their their first two rounds. Well, you know, each of them had their first round match. You know, combined in those matches, we've seen some some great matches, you know, going 20-plus minutes in the, in the opening rounds. Uh, these two, their matches combined only went 13 minutes. Oh, my God. So it, it, they come in here, they get their stuff in. So at least with that, I don't think you're going to have to suffer too long through it there, Dargo. I wonder how uh, many low blows will be in that match. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put the over under at six. <laughs> well, hey, I, I'm, I'm still holding hope that maybe we get this more serious Colt Cabana that, that we've been seeing over in Ring of Honor. Yeah, well, I, I saw these two in one of the undercard tag matches the other day. That certainly did not appear to be the case. I, I caught a little bit of that. I'm still hoping maybe it's going to be that sort of, but it goes back to, like you're saying, though, the audience is absolutely loving this act. Yeah. Cool command now, right, so, over huge. Okay, you, you've got you got the low blows at six. Uh, will that uh, exceed or be below actual wrestling maneuvers? Um, I think that will probably exceed actual wrestling maneuvers unless you count tearing the turnbuckle off and swinging it like a baseball bat as a wrestling maneuver because I absolutely expect that we're going to get that battle spot. Instead of the booyah battle indie battle spot in the middle of the ring, it's going to be the two of them swinging freaking turnbuckle pads at each other. Uh, uh, who, who do you like here? I got to go with Yano. I got to, as much as it pains me to say that. But you know, we're getting to the point now where this will be to, for what, quarterfinals? Uh, this would send them into the Elite Eight. Yeah. I, which, I, which is your quarters. Uh, but you know what I almost want is we're talking about how hot Colt is right now. They, they are loving his act over here right now. It's something fresh. Uh, I would almost, if we're going to get comedian Colt, I, I, I want to see him advance and take on Suzuki in the next round. I was going to say, that is the redeeming grace here. The redeeming grace is no matter which one of these two guys wins, I'm thinking they're going to have to face Minoru Suzuki in the next round, and that excites me greatly. That, of course, assuming that Suzuki can get past Sonata, which is not a give-me in any way, shape, or form. This match is going to be awesome. What I think is, is really funny here is that we're not we're not rooting against Sonata. We're just rooting for what Suzuki can do in the next round. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to watch Suzuki murder either Colt Cabana or Toru Yano. Either one. Although I, I I think I want to see Suzuki murder Yano more than Colt. See, I think I'm going with Suzuki versus uh, Colt. 
Oh man! And it, 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 what if then? What if somehow you get either Yano or Colt end up in this final four? Well, you know, I think that's a real possibility. I, what happens if let's say that Colt Cabana wins? All right, and Sonata is beat up coming out of a match with Suzuki, but somehow Sonata wins that thing, and then you have Colt Cabana versus a beat up Sonata. Okay, I kind of like Colt's odds in that thing, and then we also have. Let's say Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. all but rips off one of Tanahashi's legs. Could Cole Cabana make a run here to the final four? But, I mean, if he can get lucky and, and squeeze out two more wins, he found himself there. Absolutely crazy. The, the Japanese people are loving themselves some Cole Cabana. I got a feeling this is not going to be his last tour of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Looking forward to that. Let's talk about uh, uh, another show that Colt Cabana I don't expect is going to be at. I don't know who our commentary team is going to be for this show. I know it's going to be Mr. Ian Riccoboni, but I don't know who his tag team partner will be for the show. Of course, I'm talking about Ring of Honor 17th anniversary. This show is going down tonight, Huckleberry. And, you know, here a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this show, I was kind of cold on it. But as the build has continued and this show has gotten closer, I am really excited for 17th anniversary tonight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Some some great matchups on this card. And, and, you know, really what's more exciting about this is this truly is this is where we, we kind of turn that corner and we really start gearing up for the MSG Super Show. And I think we're going to see so much play out over the course uh, of this anniversary show that, that's going to get us so much more excited for what we're going to see at the Garden couple of these matches are going to be absolutely brutal and it's going to start off with what i expect to be the opening match anyway and that hey, will- I, I will say before we jump into this match just real quick on the commentary uh expect caprice to be there you know he's been he's been riding with those guys for a little while here hey but who did an incredible job last time out in the filler as mr riccaboni he was out you know with the newborn baby uh colt was actually wrestling that evening so he was he had a uh, work detail but the world's champ, the NWA world champ, Nick Aldis. I mean, an incredible job that he did in the booth last time. I wouldn't be opposed to Nick Aldis being in the booth this time around, especially if we're going to have the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship defended inside of the Garden, just to have him there and have him present. You know, he uh, last time when he was doing the commentary on the last show, one of them, the send home points as the evening was drawing to a close is that even though he is a a champion, a fighting champion, sometimes even a champion makes challenges of his own. There's a couple of the guys on this show that I absolutely wouldn't mind seeing challenge for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and two of those guys are in this, what I assume to be, the opening match. I kind of laid out the card the way I I see things going down tonight. It's going to start off with Jonathan Gresham taking on Silas Young. Either one of those guys I would love to see go up against Nick Aldis. Not a whole lot of heat going into this match, but you have two very, very contrasting styles, and this is going to be one of those matches where Silas Young is going to remind people, oh yeah, Silas Young can freaking go in the ring. Uh, he, he's been so impressive lately. He's been getting a lot of uh, television matches as well, uh, Mr. Young has. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, they when you're comparing him to the style that, that Ring of Honor has been, you know, just become known for, uh, you know, that that great technical prowess or, you know, the over-the-top kind of athleticism, 
you know, Silas Young, he's a little bit different than that. He's that old school brawler, but what he's done here, probably in heck, what, you know, this, the last six to eight, six to eight months, uh, he's really shown how diverse of a performer he is. And I think we're going to see that at another level here when he steps in with Gresham, you know, the octopus who can stretch you, bend you any which way. I mean, you got you to gotta be ready for someone like him. Really looking forward to that matchup. Uh, then we have Lifeblood taking on the kingdom. Lifeblood going to be represented by Mark Haskins and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams taking on the team of TKO Ryan and Vinny Marcellia. They're trying really, really hard to get this Lifeblood thing really established inside of ROH, Rick, and it's just not clicking for me at this point. And one of the things that's really standing out to me about it is Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson, of course, the leader of Lifebud, the IWGP United States champion. He's going to have a huge uh, emphasis on Ring of Honor this year, but he's nowhere on this card. So the leader of this brand new faction that they're trying to heat up, nowhere to be found on this show. Well, I was, I was, it was one of my questions going to ask you. He's probably caught a plane and he's going to be actually in the house, isn't he? No, because he's or, or is he he's still working, working undercards? He's still working the undercard matches for the New Japan Cup, so he's going to be over there for at least a couple more weeks. Okay, I so I didn't know maybe if he got out of those undercard matches, if he was going to be permitted to to come back here for the anniversary show. And I think there is a number of things there. Not even to go into you know you've got the leader, the guy that we're kind of looking for to to take this lifeblood evolution, uh, if you will, to that next level. Uh, another thing that's kind of off with this is. We keep seeing on Honor Club and then here for the anniversary where television really hasn't caught up with the development of Life Blood. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long did it take for them even to debut? And we'd already seen them in a handful of Honor Honor Club specials. Yeah. So, so we're kind of off of that flow. The pace is not there when it's coming to this stable. And we're not really – I mean, they've told us what they want to do, but uh, I mean, it, it's just uh, – it's almost looks like a broad mission statement. You know, what, why are you really together? What, what did you have to do to convince all these individuals to follow you, Juice? I mean, what is the grand plan here? And I worry about, I know we can be patient. They're just building this thing. They're trying to get established. There's some incredible talents involved with it. But are they going to drag that out so long when they actually get to that, when we get to that point, are we going to care? Yeah, exactly. Um, I absolutely expect Lifeblood to get the win here, but it would not surprise me at all to see TKO Ryan and Vinny Marsilia pick up this win with Matt Taven challenging for the world championship later on in the show. Because, you know, especially if this was WWE, you would absolutely see TK and Vinny win this match because, you know, hashtag momentum. I'm, I'm expecting Lifeblood as well, because I think what we're going to see here is eventually they're going to take that six man. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly going to happen. And I almost wonder if, you know, all depending on what happens in our big main event on this show, if that six man actually becomes a match for the garden. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Let's talk about another man who's going to be uh, heavily featured inside of the garden. His name is the villain, 
Marty Skrull on this show. He's going to be taking on the hometown boy, Kenny King. Kenny King from Las Vegas, although I thoroughly expect him to be booed out of Las Vegas. Rick, this one kind of irritates me a little bit. Not because of the match. I'm very much looking forward to this match, but they announced that Marty Skrull is going to be challenging for the championship inside of Madison Square Garden. Regardless of who wins the championship match tonight, it's going to be Marty versus the winner inside of the garden for the ROH World championship they just announced this like wednesday why wouldn't you just say marty Skrull versus kenny king is a number one contenders match going into madison square garden put some actual stakes on this thing and then marty just plain wins it well i'm wondering if you know and this did it this kind of took me took me by surprise as well you know seeing that they would just come out and it just was you know like you're comparing to wwe this is something wwe would do let's just go to social media uh, just make a, a random announcement here, and, and, in, and in doing so, you're taking a little heat away from what's what's been a you know a, a solid build here. We've seen them exchange wins. Marty's obviously he is owed a title shot. Kenny just had one. He's looking to get back in that picture, trying to prove that he is you know is a marquee main event player within Ring of Honor. Did they do this because they want to they want to ride that wave? Uh, of Marty and his association, you know, his, his outside running partners, they want to ride that wave into MSG. That is going to be a huge, that is a huge marquee for them to have the villain up there challenging whoever the champ might be. But could we see Kenny King get the win here? So just to add, you know, continue to add fuel to his fire and his claim that he should be the one getting these opportunities. It's possible they could do some kind of a screwy finish here where it's very clear that Marty Skrull was going to have Kenny King beat, but actually put Kenny King over. That would not necessarily surprise me here. Or, you know, and then you could also play into it. Well, you know, Marty overlooked him here. Yeah. Uh, and as we saw last time when King got his win over Skrull, it, it was by it was by Crook, and he got him on, on a quick roll-up. It uh, 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 was a match. Four, a four-way challenge, uh, but but King got him, uh, so he does have that. If he could get another one here, then you are continuing to keep King strong, because then ultimately, you know, we have to you know, we have to start asking the question: How long is Marty going to be a part of this Ring of Honor roster? You know, I'm happy that you bring that up because it's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Carly and I were discussing this the other day: Should Marty go to AEW, or should Marty stay? And Ring of Honor, because at this point, I'm kind of starting to lean towards wanting Marty to stay inside of ROH, because, you know, as I look at the AEW roster and the way it's shaking out right now, Marty, if he goes to AEW, is going to be the fourth or fifth guy on the card. He's going to be stuck in that mid card at least for a while. Or does he stay inside of ROH as a main eventer for at least another year before he decides that he wants to go to AEW or NXT, whatever the case may be, as a bona fide main eventer and increases stock more? Because I feel like a year from now, if Marty was ROH world champion for six months and then, you know, he was trying to get the title back, leading all the way back up to final battle, and then he would leave the company. I think Marty has a lot of room where he can improve his stock regardless of where he's going at this point. You know, the same goes, we talked about this when the AEW announcement came about and you saw everyone, you know, everyone that was in the crew that was associated with the elite was kind of shifting their alliances. 
And Marty at that time, he didn't have that option because he had signed the, the extension through April with Ring of Honor. So with all the excitement, Marty was kind of, you know, he was the odd man out there. And that's not a negative to say because what it's done, it has presented an opportunity to see if Marty can fly on his own. Where you don't have the, the name power or you know just the recognizability of a bullet club or the elite is that crutch. This is time to see if the villain can fly on his own. And what I've really liked here is that we're seeing a return to the actual villain. Yes. What we're seeing more of what Marty was before this bullet club thing really blew up where he became more. Would you agree? A more comedy, of a comedy act. Yeah. He, he became a mid card comedy act there for the better part of two years. And most certainly a sidekick. Yeah, absolutely. So if he, if he goes, if he goes to AEW, he's just going to re he's going to reassume that role. But, but let's not even look at it from a Marty standpoint here. If you're AEW and you're and you're looking at some smart business, you don't want to give everything away. You don't show the entire hand coming right out of the gate. I mean, they, they haven't really let us on to anything here. They've given us a couple dates. They haven't told us anything with television. And look what continues to happen. I mean, record sellouts, merchandise, they can't even keep up with at this point. The buzz is so it is so over the top. It is so there. Why don't even if you're AEW, why don't you save someone like Marty? So let's say in a year, Marty has reestablished the villain. He has dominated Ring of Honor and kind of his own little his own little scene out on the independence. He's reinvented himself. People are looking at Marty in the very old light, but with a, with a new ball, you know, fixed in on it. Think about how hot that program would be if Marty would come in at that time and challenge Omega for a program or go right at Cody, you know, Hey, the, the forgotten little buddy is back and he is back with a vengeance and he's back to take the AEW by storm. Have Cody keep trashing Marty too throughout this whole BTE thing, you know, with Marty is dead and, and moving on from Marty, have Cody keep on doing that for the better part of a year and then bring Marty in and shoot him right to the top of the card with Cody and have Marty well, go over strong. And- and whoever, whoever, whoever happens to be Cody's little project or buddy at the time, MJF. At, I mean, think about that program to bring Marty in. MJF. Absolutely. I'd love to see that. That's that's what springboards him into the company, and then he immediately turns his attention to Cody, and then whoever the champion might be. Then you've got almost a year, year and a half of hot programs inside AEW, or now they're experiencing. You know, it's not everyone's back together. It's not this grand family reunion because villain enterprises is coming to shake the very foundation. Of course, we also have the Briscoes taking on Brody King and PCO, the other two thirds of villain enterprises for the ROH tag team championships (laughs) on this show. You know what? If my body was aching from this 101 fever, I can't even imagine how I'm going to feel after just watching this thing. Can you imagine how they're going to feel? Oh, my God, this thing is going to be violent and I'm going to love every freaking second of it. You know, the, the only thing that kind of makes me hesitate here, obviously the Briscoes and the Gorillas of Destiny have already started a program going into Madison Square Garden. ROH has come out and said that if Villain Enterprises wins this match, they will go on to Madison Square Garden to face the Gorillas of Destiny. No, no matter how who wins this match, it's going to be the ROH champs versus the IWGP champs winner takes all 
Rick, I'm not even sure which match I would rather see, whether it be Villain Enterprises or the Briscoes. Can we make it a triple threat? I was just going to say, can we get some kind of draw tonight? Just no contest. Uh, it is so out of control that, that they just have to call the match. Have G.O.D. show up and stun gun everybody. Well, they're they're busy, though, aren't they? Are the gorillas on the tour? Uh, I thought that weren't they getting involved? I thought. Oh, I, they yeah, were, they, they are on the tour. They're just they're not participating inside of the New Japan Cup. They're just. Yeah, working they're, they're working. They're working tag matches. On yeah, the with Heiko Leo. Yep. Uh, you know what? Hey, if you kind of want to throw the, if you want to get involved, I'd love to see them pop up on the big screen and, and cut one of those promos that we've seen them doing via social media. Oh yes, Tama Tonga on a big screen in ROH with a live mic. I need that in my life. Absolutely. Do you lean one way or the other? I guess I lean Briscoes, but it's like sixty forty. I, I think the Briscoes. I think that is when we're looking at the big picture. MSG Briscoes. Bullet Club, I think that's the the smart money. But man, people are starting to take notice of Brody King and PCO is getting all the love in the world. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. And I know there's so many so many people. Well, that's not believable. He's not selling anything. It is believable because he doesn't have to sell anything. This guy is not human. Yeah, that's, you actually, that's literally you actually, the gimmick. You actually believe what is happening. You can buy into it. That is the beautiful part about this. But Hey, but that's, that's just love for PCO. On the other side, Brody King, a, a hell of a talent and a very, very dangerous individual in his own right. I was listening to another podcast yesterday, and it was absolutely hilarious because they were ragging on Brody King, right? And they're ragging on Brody King because he hasn't been saying anything. We don't know if he can talk on the mic or anything. You know, blah, blah. He's got a broken freaking jaw. That's why you're not hearing him talk. Jesus Christ. And, and you know what? Keep up, people. Hey, and besides that, he talks with his actions. Yeah. Do you really need either one of these guys to talk? That's what Marty is literally there for. Come on. God, this match is going to be awesome. You know what? Speaking of the Briscoes, also, I, was, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know show that was fucking marks. <laughs> Speaking of the Briscoes, I was going through Honor Club this morning, right? And I found one of the very, very first ROH shows from 2002 has been added to Honor Club, and the very first match on there is the Amazing Red versus a very young Jay Briscoe in a unitard with Mark Briscoe on the outside with all of his teeth. Uh, glory days. The glory days of the Briscoes. Man, that unitard just looks so wrong. Let's talk about another one of your feature matchups, and this is the one that everybody has circled, that this match is going to probably steal this show. It's going to be Bandito taking on Roosh. Huckleberry, I, I, I don't even know how to explain what is going to happen inside of this match. This is going to be Lucha Libre at its finest with American psychology coming to ring of honor. And this place is going to lose their freaking minds as this match is going on. I'm going to lose my mind. I've had two hours of sleep today. I'm staying awake strictly for this match. This is the match that I have circled. This is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, this is dot, dot dive heaven. Oh yes, absolutely. You've, you've died and gone to dot, dot dive heaven. But as you're watching this match, ladies and gentlemen, remember the psychology for this one is going to be completely different than everything else you've seen on the card. I'm really interested in how they're going to adapt that Lucha Libre style 
for an American audience because they can't go out there and just do a straight up Lucha Libre match because that's PCO's gimmick. How would you bring this in? Because I know, we, you know we've had some great conversations with uh, with Craven, the Australian sensation, about this. You know, he goes out and regularly works this style. It's still it's he still hasn't really grasped, you know, what's really going on because there's so much that that goes into it. It, it, it takes me forever just to even adjust during a match. What would you do with this, Jargo? I think this I think this is what happens. All right. Let's say this match goes 12 minutes. Okay, I I think that seems fairly accurate for looking at this card. If it's going to go 12 minutes, I think the first two minutes of the match are Bandito just doing Bandito things with Roosh selling his ass off. Right. And then it's going to switch styles and it's going to become because Roosh, while he is a luchador, while he can do all the dot, 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 dive stuff. He's also a bad mother, you know what I'm saying, right? And I can see him completely changing this to an American style, and it's just Roosh beating down Bandito for the better part of the next eight minutes. And then the final two minutes becomes a series of high spots to finish off the match. But I could absolutely see Roosh just slowing this thing down and just pounding Bandito for 80% of this match. I, I, I like it. I have to agree with you there. That's why I asked you to lay it out. Now, the big one, I mean, both of these guys, new to Ring of Honor, uh, Bandito invested so much with Lifeblood. Who do you see going over here? I'm going to go with Roosh going over, but with if I'm going to put Roosh over here, I'm going to establish who Roosh is because inside of ROH, he's kind of been doing this tweener thing where nobody's really sure where Roosh stands. I want to see him just pound Bandito, just pound him into freaking oblivion and establish I am a big badass heel and I'm coming for whoever you put in front of me. I don't care who it is. I mean, if you want to do the tweener thing with Roosh, that's fine, but we need to see that aggressive side of Roosh come out here to where people aren't just cheering him and they're just cheering the violence. Well, and I, I, you know, with this brings up a good, a, you know, a bigger question though, is we're looking at this card and what it's going to mean for individuals and and stables as we look towards MSG. Bandito takes a loss here, then I, I would most certainly say that earlier in the night or whenever it falls happens to fall if, into the card that Haskins and Hot Sauce would go over the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very valid point as well. kind of look at the booking throughout the show. The other thing that plays into it really irritates me, Rick, and that is the fact that Bandito has been added to the match inside of Madison Square Garden against Taiji Ishimori and Dragon Lee. So now basically what they've done, I understand what they're doing. They have set it up so they have somebody from New Japan, somebody from CMLL, and somebody from Ring of Honor, and they're going to put them in a three-way dot-dot-dot-dive car crash match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. But now this just feels like a novelty, whereas before it felt like Dragon Lee wanted that title and he wanted wanted to take on Ishimori. Now it just feels like, Oh, look, we're going to feature all three companies in one match. And I even, I saw this more as a way to protect the big payoff match with Ishimori versus Lee in Japan, because that's got the heat. That's the hot program. Yeah. That's the match that people want to see. Right. So now, so you're teasing that a little bit. You're going to appease the audience at Madison Square Garden by one hell of an athletic showing from these three. 
that audience is going to eat this up. So I think Bandito, Bandito probably eats the is pin. your fall guy, yeah. which leads me to believe that Bandito is going to get this win over Roosh. But you could still have Roosh in a post-match attack or something just continue to show that viciousness. Yeah, both of them get over. Bandito gets the win. Roosh gets over when he gets his heat back after the match. That makes total sense to me. And, and, I, st- and I still like your, your plan, you know, how you lay out this match. Yeah, Bandito comes out, hits all his stuff, wows the people. Roosh turns, you know, turns the tables, makes, you know, takes things to that next level. It's very violent. Bandito, you know, out of nowhere scores that win. You know, Roosh is furious afterwards. Maybe we get a beatdown so you continue what you've got going with him. But you've made Bandito look strong heading into MSG for this triple threat. Yep. I, I, I can get behind all of that. Absolutely. Mayu Iwatani defends the Women of Honor Championship against good friend of the show, Miss Kelly Klein. Huckleberry, Kelly's getting this title back tonight, right? I, that's what I would tend to believe because, you know, if not, where does she go into MSG? And she is your gatekeeper. She is. Uh, and let's let's be honest here. You know, we are big supporters of Women of Honor, but this division, it's in a, it's hurting right now. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, I feel like going into MSG, there's there's two very obvious matches here. Number one would be Kelly Klein versus Tennille Dashwood for the Women of Honor Championship. I think that's the match that everybody's been waiting for for months now, going back to when before Tennille got injured. The other thing that's kind of sticking in my mind, though, is the Bandito being added to Ishimori versus Dragon Lee. Are they going to want to feature stardom on this show? And if so, do you have Mayu go over here and we get a rematch inside of the garden? My, my problem there is we'd have to have some kind of screwy ending here. We can't have her go over Kelly again here. I'm terrified that they do like a four-way for the Women of Honor Championship. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Are we going to overbook this thing? Are we going to see you know, a handful, you know, potential triples in in four ways at this show as one of those things like we're in the garden, it's WrestleMania weekend, all eyes, you know, on that stage. Are we going to overbook it? instead of just presenting the best talents in the best card. Personally, what I would do, I would have Kelly Klein not only win this match, <clears throat> excuse me, I would have her just absolutely destroy Mayu Iwatani, and then I would have her call out Momo Wanatabi for the Madison Square Garden show and feature the stardom champion versus the Women of Honor champion. You know, again, though, here with this, I'm seeing this, and even through Ring of Honor, through some of their specials, they're starting to show a different side of Kelly Klein. Yeah. It's the Kelly that we know. You know, it, it, it's not the, the pretty badass that has dominated inside the ring. It's just, you know, this tremendously talented person that's outside. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a turn like that, you know, maybe, and we do have some time. They've, they've got some tapings here. You know, are we going to get a feel good moment in the garden where she becomes the first ever two time champion or, or are we sticking with the pretty badass? You know, is she going to roll in here as that gatekeeper that we know, not stepping down from challenges, that, that wants the absolute best? It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to this match. I think this should be a very, very good match inside of the Women of Honor division. Uh, let's talk about the ROH TV Championship, Huckleberry. Friend of the show, we had him on yesterday, dropped the interview. Big Shane Taylor, the notorious one, Mr. One Man Punch, taking on a man that it's going to take more than one punch to put down. I'm talking about Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb for the ROH TV Championship. Rick, did you have a chance to listen to the Shane Taylor interview as of yet? 
Uh, I caught it this morning. Uh, very good. Uh, another outstanding job here. It's always great to hear to hear Taylor. I love getting on the phone with Shane. I could talk to that guy all freaking day. He was doing all kinds of media yesterday, so we had to cut it a little bit shorter. Than- I, I, I did see that. You know, I, I picked up. Uh, I didn't hear any of the other interviews. I'm just going to assume that, that ours was the best. Of course with, it was. you at the helm. Uh, it's shame on you, Ring of Honor, for not just picking up our interview yeah. and, and getting Jargo some airtime through your platforms. But hey, we, hey, we're working there. You know, we're, we're only a year and a half in with our relationship with Ring of Honor. We'll, we'll eventually bust through that glass ceiling with them. But man, this one, it, it's going to be interesting. This uh, is going to be great. two big dudes beating the ever-loving crap out of one another. That's what well, it's going to be. Here's what I think. And I think, you know, on paper, when we look at this thing, that's what we're that's what we're expecting here. But I love that you brought up the athleticism of Jeff Cobb. And I think what we're actually going to get here, we're going to see a side of Shane Taylor, possibly that we haven't seen because he is a very athletic big man. So, you know, he might be bringing a little bit of that game to this fight. I think this one could surprise everyone and be one of the matches that we're definitely talking about. Uh, you know, it, it heading over to the locker room where we're reviewing this thing, and all those that are, are watching throughout the weekend are going to be talking about this thing. Jeff Cobb, not pinned since he's joined Ring of Honor. I think it's time. You know, I, I and I know there's going to be a lot of people that think I'm just homing for Shane Taylor because we just had him on the show, but I actually felt this way before I, I talked to Shane yesterday. Um, I think it's time. I think it's time for Shane Taylor to knock out Jeff Cobb and get this title off of him because otherwise you have to have somebody that you can legitimately believe can beat Jeff Cobb. And when I look at the ROH roster, because I'm ready to move Jeff Cobb into that main event scene and get the ROH TV championship off of him. When I look at the ROH roster, you know who's got to beat Jeff Cobb? It's got to be Shane Taylor. He's the only guy on that roster that I can honestly believe he knocks out Jeff Cobb. Well, I think, too, what you're doing, as you said, Cobb can move on. No, he he's can bounce back from this thing and move on to the world title picture, yeah, which is very absolutely. crowded, which is very crowded. But what you're going to be what you're going to be doing in passing this torch is you're going to keep carrying that television uh, division forward. Because at any point, you've got Cobb that's going to be up there challenging the very best in the company for the World Heavyweight Championship. But you're going to know that that TV title is the freaking legit because that champ put down one of the top challengers. I think it's and, time. And, and, and possibly an eventual Ring of Honor World Champion. Oh, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I think Jeff Cobb has ROH World Champion written all over him at this point. And it's time. I, like... It, he doesn't lose anything losing this title to Shane Taylor. Not at all. And I would love to see Shane walk into the garden as the TV champ. Hey, which, you know, goes back to one of the first times we had, we had Mr. Taylor on and it was, it was quite a ways out, but everyone had known about the MSG show. And even then, you know, he spoke about, they had, there is no plans for me yet. I don't know if I'm going to be there, but what an honor it would be. It would be so cool to see this come full circle for him. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agreed. So let's talk about the big one. The ROH World Championship. Jay Lethal, the current ROH World Champion versus Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Um, Rick, for literally a year. I have been saying that Matt Taven was going to take this championship from Jay Lethal. I thought it was going to be at final battle, but they've actually put it off until the anniversary show. 
I don't think it's happening. I think Jay Lethal is going to retain this championship here tonight. I think I'm with you 100%. I think Lethal retains, and then we set up business for Madison Square. I think we get the challenge from Aldis. Yep. I, I Well, Madison Square Garden would be Marty Skrull versus Jay Lethal. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You're right. But I, I don't. I don't. Talking, so I don't know what we do there. I don't think it's going to be Matt Taven versus Marty Skrull inside of the garden. That does not seem like a garden match to me. That seems like every other Ring of Honor show on the calendar. But for Madison Square Garden, I feel like it needs to be Marty Skrull versus Jay Lethal. Yeah. Oh, man. That even throws more of a kink in it. I'm sorry. That just kind of, that, that was the fever to let that one get by on me. But yeah, I mean, so maybe they don't have anything to do with the NWA at this show. I see, To me, I thought that would have been the perfect headliner, uh, those two champions. But yeah, I, I think you got Jay Lethal versus Marty at that thing. Or, or are we going to get this thing? Or are they going to get complex with this thing and maybe possibly overbook it and put both titles in there? Oh, they can't do that. No, we can't do that. I think we have to have a one-on-one match for the ROH Championship inside of the Garden. At this I, point. I would prefer, even if even if the NWA World Championship makes its way, I would like that to have its own match as well. I think when you, when you get to marquee shows like this, these mega events, it, you got to stick with tradition. And there's nothing better than two individuals just going out there trying to better, you know, one-on-one. What I wouldn't mind seeing, though, is Matt Taven versus Nick Aldis. I'm just not sure how it plays out in that babyface heel dynamic because they both seem pretty far on the heel side. I'm not really sure how the Garden would react to Matt Taven versus Nick Aldis. I guess they would kind of that that would de facto make Nick Aldis the babyface, wouldn't it? Well, I think you could easily you could easily make adjustments with Aldis because he is about respect and he knows about getting things done, and he is he is a fighting champion. You can focus in on those qualities and make him kind of that classic fighting champ that you want to root for. Not in a typical baby where he's fighting under. I mean, hell, even looking at these looking at these two when they get into the ring with one another, I mean, all this is just going to freaking tower. Over either one of them. Well, anybody that he would face. I mean, all this is put together, man. This, this guy's a total package as a champion. But Taven, on the other hand, he is, you know, he's that whiny brat heel. It's easy to hate him in, in any scenario. It, it's going to be very interesting. But, I, yeah, I think, you know, just what we're looking at for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship, I, I think, you know, your, your smart money is Jay Lethal, uh, the guy who has done it all, who has built everything, a, a Mount Rushmore, if you will, of Ring of Honor taking on Marty, who, who still is just that name value is so hot. Let's talk about Jay Lethal. Um, I talked to Shane Taylor about this yesterday and during the interview, you and I talked about it off air the other day. Uh, and then Carly and I were discussing it. And the thing that really stands out to me, what we're talking about is Jay Lethal being a African-American world heavyweight champion. Of course, everything going crazy with Kofi mania has made this, this huge hot topic And Rick, it doesn't seem like Jay Lethal gets the respect that he rightfully deserves. I mean, when you look at the accolades, this man is the most successful Ring of Honor television champion in history, the most successful ROH world heavyweight champion in history. Hell, he held both titles down for quite a while. Why don't we talk about Jay Lethal 
in that historical context as a great African-American world heavyweight champion when it seems as though the wrestling community is just dying for an African-American world heavyweight champion. You have a great one right now in Jay Lethal. Is it just that we're living in the era of Lethal that we don't recognize it as this historic reign that it really truly is? I think there's two sides to say, let's say it on all the, the, the resume, the accomplishments that he was able to amass, even at impact TNA wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everything that he was able to do there. I mean, this guy has had just an incredible career uh, And the people that, you know, he has lent a hand in training that have went on to greatness. I mean, his no pun intended here, his in his impact, his footprint on professional wrestling. I mean, it's it's unmatchable over the last two decades. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I got two sides of this thing. I think a lot of this African-American champion, that has to do a lot strictly pertaining to WWE because of the perception that it is just by intent that an African-American is never is was never going to break that glass ceiling to have that success. You know, that's kind of on the company, uh, the, the racist feelings towards a McMahon himself. That is the grandest stage. So with that, when you look at somebody, I mean, because you, I mean, you don't even see all of the talk and where is the, you know, us honoring someone like a Ron Simmons who, who did it with the NWA, WCW. You know, that doesn't get mentioned a lot. It's always about when is WWE going to get on board with this thing. So I think in, a, in some ways it's maybe because we don't see Ring of Honor's championship on that level, on that stage. I think that plays into it. And honestly, they don't make it a big deal themselves about his race. So when I look at Jay Lethal, I don't, I'm not seeing a black man. I'm not seeing that he's, he's accomplishing all of this representing the African-American community. I see that he is doing this because he loves professional wrestling and he's representing the purest in professional wrestling. And I think this goes to a testament to ring of honor inside of their presentation. Um, and it's not just the African-American community, because I, you also have the Japanese community. You have the Mexican community all represented on this show. You have Jonathan Gresham on this show, Shane Taylor, Kenny King, Bandito, Rush, Mayu Iwatani. The Ring of Honor is about the most diverse locker room that I've ever seen inside of professional wrestling. And they don't make it about race. They just have the best pro wrestlers on the freaking planet going out there and competing and showing how freaking good they are. Well, you know, we, we talk about global domination with inside the WWE and this global territory system that they're looking to implement. I love how you bring that up here. This isn't just about race. Look at nationality, the continents that are represented just going through this card that we're going to see here for Ring of Honor. And they don't make a big deal about it. Yeah, they could be out there. They could be out there beating their chest. Look at us. Look, we, look how diverse we are. They're not about that. They're about their pure wrestling. Yep, absolutely. And, I, and, you know, and when you don't have a company that's constantly trying to hammer that home and remind you of their PR directive – you yourself, you don't realize it. You get lost in what you should, and that's just, just the, the entertainment, the form of professional wrestling. And that, at its core, 
is what Ring of Honor's slogan is all about. Honor is real. It does. They don't have to sit there and promote every time they go to a children's hospital. I remember the last time they were in Pittsburgh after that awful shooting that happened there. They did a great tribute just for the people in Pittsburgh. They didn't air the thing on Honor Club. It wasn't all over their social media with them patting themselves on the back. That was a moment for the live crowd in Pittsburgh, and that's what it was all about. That's one thing about Ring of Honor that I just respect the ever-loving hell out of that. Well, company. and you know, and they've got a great program that they have to promote it. They have to promote it so that you know it's there. But you know, their involvement with our military that you get free tickets anywhere that Ring of Honor is touring to. All you gotta do is go through, you know, go through their ticket website, their provider, and let them know you're part of the military. You're they're gonna get hooked up, and it's a great experience going to a Ring of Honor show. You're, you're gonna get hooked up now. If this was another company, they'd be they'd be marching out people from every, you know, every walk of the military and, and let you know every other segment how great they are because they partnered up with it. They just roll it out so that you know it's there, and then you can bring your family and enjoy a great night of entertainment, Ring of Honor style. Just don't bring your family if it's going to be the Briscoes versus Villain Enterprises because there might be an awful lot of bloodshed. Looking, I'm so looking forward to that match. Those in the military, they might just want to go back overseas after we see the carnage in Rat Bad Boy. So let's go ahead. We're going to throw things over to the break. When we come back, we're talking some NXT, the Dusty Tag Team Classic, DIY Dying Again. That's one of my favorite stories in all of professional wrestling, of course. And then, of course, we'll jump on the road to WrestleMania. We'll be right back. Hands callous, hard work is a talent. Blood on my jeans, raw earth on my palate. Develop taste for the sweet and the sourness. I see how it is, now I speak for the powerless. In victory, I write a speech of empowerment. Learn the difference between the meek and the cowardice. See, I don't live like a sheik in the palace. On a peak in the mountains, let me keep this in balance. I live somewhere between the streets and the calculus. Somewhere between a voodoo priest and an alchemist. Paralysis about as deep as your malice. Eat a shroom, grow a hundred feet like Alice. I'm analyzing who I'm chief in my flower with. I got all the people surrounding him, creeping out the mist, mist. Tripping off a trees and out the lips. Gotta watch what did he say, cause he's the counterfeit. But now I'ma fall back till it even out of it Do whatever you want, bruh, just leave me out of it yeah. You can say that you're ballin', but we know it's all rented Credit card debt it, I ain't involved in it Portraying the false image and lying, claiming you authentic You fraud bitch, I ain't involved in it So if you're all finished using your talent It's God-given and call it quits well I ain't involved in it, tell Bennett I ain't in it They callin' me Paul, it's y'all been a seat I ain't involved deep, deep, in it Deep in the fog of war, many diameter dogs The petty call upon the genocide of pedagogues I've been a cog and a machine that never spins at all I've been a pawn, I've been a Peter, boy, I've been a ball. I've been an eye upon the needle when I stitch and gauze. I've been an open wide receiver when I get the ball. This shit, it hit the walls, hit the fan, hit the stalls. The kid, they call it best, dripping off fentanyl. I ain't in this to retire off a quick applause. I got into the game to energize your inner thoughts. I'm with the cause, armed and ready, riding, winter loss. Fire up the pen, cause y'all drying up like menopause. I ain't trying to get involved. You wanna break a rule, bend the law, it's fine. Pray to God at synagogue. Pray that I fall like Biggie Smalls. Maybe God'll forgive us all, or maybe not Ricky Ross. Yeah, you can say that you're ballin', but we know it's all rented. Credit card debt, I ain't involved in it. Portraying the false image and lying, claiming you authentic, you fraud bit it. I ain't involved in it. So if you're all finished using your talent, it's God given and call it quits well. I ain't involved in it. Tell Bennett, I ain't in it. They calling me Paul, it's y'all been insane. I ain't involved in it. I can predict your fate. I seen him running around, fucking up in different ways, busting in it, ricochet, ducking when he hit from fame. You wanna quit the game, I promise you. Fucking with me, you'll be the quickest way. But I don't skip a day. And I don't sit around thinking that I'm greater than I am and solicit hate. If in your face, fit the frame, getting shaved. You're making a big mistake and I don't want to participate. Uh, 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 uh. 
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Welcome to Intermission. So that was Ubi, otherwise known as Ubiquitous, with his new song, Involved. Put out a new EP the other day. He's one of my favorite rappers. Huckleberry, who's your favorite rapper? I'm curious. Uh, man, I don't, I don't even know any rappers, man. <laughs> I, I figure you'd say, like, Dr. Dre or something. Uh, uh, so- no, I, mean, I'd, I probably would have to go with... Uh, you know what? When it comes to all that, it might just because of the influence with the hot meat. I listen to some Wu-Tang. There you go. Uh, I like the Beastie Boys. Hey, there you go. There you go. And I, I just, yeah, I think they, no, that came up the other day. Someone was talking with us and they're asking about our music taste. And I was like, I really, I really don't have any. It's not that I dislike any certain styles. I just don't really know if I, if I gravitate towards any. Like if, like if I'm in somewhere there's a radio, I'm listening to news or sports talk or a wrestling podcast or, or raw dog radio, something like that. It's music just, I don't know. It isn't really my thing. I've gotten to this point ever since I got Bluetooth in my car where I like to put the WWE network on my phone and just drive around listening to WWE matches. God, it's a sickness. I'm telling you, it's a sickness. You know, I actually did that with this uh, this show, this episode of NXT. I actually watched part of it as I was driving on the way home. That's probably not recommended. Don't drive and watch NXT at the same time, especially when it's the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Rick, we had a couple of big matches on this show, starting off with Mustache Mountain versus the Forgotten Sons. Uh, this one a little bit of a surprise with the Forgotten Sons basically getting a mostly clean win here, of course. Yeah, we had a little bit of a distraction on the outside with the Forgotten Sons being a three-man team, but that's just kind of one of those things that comes with having a three-man team. I absolutely expected Mustache Mountain to get this win. Forgotten Sons moving on to the finals. Hey, I was going to say, is this... I know it was surprising a little bit, but nothing major. We had talked about this. You know, they're getting behind the Forgotten Sons, and they're looking to, you know, kind of pass the reins in NXT a bit. And this is a team that, that could be right up there to help, you know, take the the gold standard brand, you know, to that next level. 
Got to rebuild that tag team division inside of NXT, that's for sure. Then we had DIY. That's right, the full-on DIY, complete with DIY t-shirts and DIY trunks, busting out the old gear, taking on the team of Aleister Black and Ricochet. Black and Ricochet, otherwise known as the Tattooed Twosome. I'm going to steal that from Mauro Ranallo. That's what I'm going to call this team now, the Tattooed Twosome. Black and Ricochet getting the big win here over I know, DIY. I, I smell like that Rick and Black. Did you see that logo floating around with the Hobbying Group? No, I guess I, I missed that one. Rick and uh, Black. I, I, it's Rick and Black. So I guess this. I guess the original dub where I heard it from. This comes from Fridays in the locker room with uh, Ben Hamid and Big Stevie Cools, uh, Stevie Richards. Uh, but they were calling him Rick and Black. So I, I believe Bello came up. This is the, this is where I saw it from. So I'll give Bello the credit. Uh, yeah, but he had dubbed out the Rick and Morty portal logo with, with Rick and black. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's, it's, it's some good, good stuff. But, you know, looking at this final four, I, I like, you know, how we're talking about rebuilding the North American NXT tag division. Really this final four, the forgotten sons were the only true representatives now of that tag division. Yep, absolutely. Um, although I do think Alistair black and ricochet winning, is a very intriguing possibility, which we'll talk about here in just a second. First, we got to talk about the big angle. DIY, once again, dead. Um, the the way this match played out, I Rick, I had a little bit of issue with this because this is one of those things that it's kind of like when you're watching Batman and you see everything that goes down with the Joker, right? And it's like for Joker's like grand plan to actually come into action, he needs like 500 different little things to just kind of happen in order for his main plan to happen. That's kind of how I felt about the death of DIY this time around. Okay, I, I guess you could elaborate a little bit more. Maybe I'm not seeing it as deep as you are. So, first of all, we have. Well, I, I, can I? I, I want to ask a question before we get into this thing. Yeah. When was this in the can? Uh, this was in the can the last set of tapings. So, this has been in the can now for four weeks. Okay, so this is before we all we all knew how serious yes. everything was with with Champa. Yes, obviously. Did, the, the did original- they know a little bit more? Or is this some kind of happy coincidence? Well, no. The The original plan was for Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa at TakeOver New York for the NXT Championship. That was the original plan. I, I, had, I heard that was in the works. Yep. That was the original plan. Obviously, everything going on with Ciampa, we're going to have a different main event. And it's going to be really, really good. We'll talk about that as it airs because uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But... So this is kind of what happens here, right? So we're having this killer match, and all of a sudden, we have Aleister Black and Ricochet both in submission holds, right? And so that's that's number one. That has and, to happen. And they're putting it over as crazy. The old DIY, this is what they do. They're back, and they were really putting that, putting that over, hammering that home. Yep. And so Ricochet stands up out of his submission hold, which drives me insane to begin with. There's no way the that you could get of out Ricochet. of that. Yeah. There's no way you could get out of that if, you, if you're not 
being assisted, right? So Ricochet stands up, throws Ciampa into Gargano, hurts Gargano's knee. So we have the same setup as we had at the original TakeOver Chicago when Gargano was turned on by Tommaso Ciampa. Except this time around, it's Gargano's knee. And Gargano's selling that he may have torn his ACL. He can't get back into the ring. He's basically just sitting things out on the outside of the ring. Ciampa realizes this, goes out and checks on Johnny Gargano, realizes, okay, I've got to do this thing myself. Self, gets back into the ring and is laid out by Aleister Black with a black mass. So Ricochet and Aleister Black win the match. Then we have Candice LeRae comes out to check on Johnny Gargano. Ciampa's sitting in the ring. He's got Goldie and he sets Goldie down on the ring apron. He's not concerned with the NXT championship. He's worried about his friend. And he goes over and he checks on Johnny Gargano, helps Johnny Gargano up. Ciampa and Candice help Johnny up the ramp where Gargano collapses again. And Tommaso Ciampa is just beside himself and he goes over and he picks up Johnny Gargano. And then Ciampa goes to throw Johnny into the video board, just like he did at TakeOver Chicago. But it turns out that Johnny's knee is actually fine. And he stops Tommaso Ciampa and then tosses Ciampa into the video board Nails Ciampa with a big super kick, and we have the big setup for TakeOver New York. But it's one of those things, man, where as I'm watching it, it's like these guys are supposedly trying to win this match, right? But no, Gargano fakes this knee injury knowing that Ciampa... And it's like one of these things where it's like 500 different little things have to happen in order for this setup to fully take effect. And my issue with it was I would have been fine with all of this if Gargano would have just thrown Ciampa into the video board, it was the, th the fact that Ciampa was trying to turn on Gargano and then Gargano was like, uh-uh, nope, not this time and gets Ciampa instead. If it, we would have just taken that one part out, you could have been like, okay, this was Gargano's plan. He's going to fake this knee injury and then he's going to get Ciampa. Okay, that I can get behind. But the fact that he faked the injury only for Ciampa to attempt to turn on Gargano to find out that the injury was fake so that Gargano could turn on Ciampa. It's just so convoluted. Now, I, I see, to me, I think it makes perfect sense. It, it, he knew. He knows Ciampa so well. He knew the moves he was going to make. And that's not saying in the back of Johnny's head. You know, Gargano, that whole thing could have been. They, they've done the tag team thing. They've went through this tournament. They went on and won the tag team gold there. In his head, there's that one piece that's missing, and it's what Ciampa's got, and that is the NXT championship. So in any case, he was prepared to fake that injury. That was his moment. He took a hit to it, so now he's going to put his plan into action. He heads to the outside. He's going to read Ciampa. How, how committed is he to this? And he knew at some point, some point, that's why he fell at the top of the stage you know, they're almost on the way out of here. Maybe he's not maybe he's not gonna try to take me out. Maybe there is maybe he has turned it here. I gotta stall a little bit more to see if I can if I can, you know, fish this rat out from hiding for a moment. That's what you get there. And then just as Gargano had planned, as he knew that Ciampa would, he went for that turn and he was waiting. He was waiting for a surprise of his own. I think it is a matter of you know. Hey, you keep, you know, keep your enemies close. You know, is it keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Well, in this case, he's got both of them right there. And he knows everything that's going on inside that man's mind. 
So he just played him like a fiddle. Candice LeRae watches this entire thing go down. She looked very happy. And Candice was incredibly happy about this entire course of events. And that makes me angry as well. Candice LeRae should be pissed right now because earlier, well, not earlier, we have the announcement. How before, far back is this work? I mean, it was she helped masterminding this. Well, this is my issue. All right. I, I understand Candace is happy that Johnny has chosen her over Tommaso Ciampa. That's probably to Johnny Gargano's benefit. Candace is much better looking than Ciampa. But Candace LeRae should be pissed because she should want to be challenging Bianca Belair. And she's not going to get that opportunity either. So I, I like Candace being involved. I like Candace being happy about this Gargano thing. But I hate the fact that Candace doesn't even seem concerned with Shayna Baszler and what's going on with the NXT Women's Championship. Well, I guess, you know, if they weren't going to have the plans for her there, we've, we're getting that match there at TakeOver. I know we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But, yeah, it, it, that kind of sucks. But that, that that's pulled out of the story. That's not where they're going with it. So I'm more interesting. To me, what is the dynamic here? Are they acting as tweeners or are they our babies again? It seems as though they're they're now being positioned as baby faces again. It would be very very curious to me if Champa was not injured, how this would be playing out. If Gargano and Candice would be the baby faces, or if they would be portrayed a bit as heels. NXT Full Sail did come unglued when Gargano turned on Champa. It seemed as though that read very very well. But if you were watching that with mute on and you didn't know the story, you would think Gargano just turned heel and Ciampa turned babyface. Well, and this goes back to, you know, the, the very dynamic of this story. And it, it had some people a little confused that just happened to tune in at certain times. You know, if you haven't really been following this from the get-go, this thing, it isn't the clear-cut heel and baby dynamic. You know, it's two individuals that have become very warped in their own minds. Uh, in the case where, you know, Gargano, yes, he ultimately sees himself as this do-gooder that, you know, when he accomplishes his main objective, you know, it, it's going to it's going to be this righteous act that all of NXT is going to appreciate. And, and then over in Chapa's side, you know, the only thing that matters is Goldie. So it's anything at all cost to protect his baby. And that was one of the things that played into this damn story as well. When Ciampa left Goldie in the ring because he was more concerned with Johnny. That was or is, you know, hey, is that baiting too? Are both of these guys, I mean, that is, it's kind of been on edge between these two. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to get back together and coexist here? And that, that's what we've been waiting for. You know, who's going to make that first move? Or, or are they going to be able to figure this out? But We've known from the get-go, as successful as they can be together, at any moment, they're going to slit the other one's throat. So it's going to be Forgotten Sons taking on Rick Black in two weeks for the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Uh, Rick, I'm, I'm going to put our plan into action here. I'm going to put over Ricochet and Aleister Black, and I'm going to have them go on to face the War Raiders at TakeOver New York. And then I'm also going to have them face off for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. I'm going to have them work another match for the Raw Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania when all three sets of titles and unify these damn belts. Uh, you know what I'd really like to see here? I mean, just to lay it out, I, I'm with you. We talked about this. What did we pitch? It's like two weeks ago, maybe? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 
I'd love to have them do that. You know, have them go into NXT, take them on there. Then on the pre-show, let's be honest, there's nothing on Raw that's going to make that that championship match worthy of the main show. Nope. It's going to be on the WrestleMania kickoff. That's fine because you're spreading it out. It almost seems like three different events for them. So they go on to that one. And I know there's a lot of hype. A, a lot of people are wondering if we're going to get – I don't know. Is it, it's not necessarily, I guess, a dream match. But I guess for like a modern era, it's one of those big matches in the Usos and the Hardys. But I would say I would say scrap that thing, add in uh, Rick and Blackie here, and make it a TLC match. Yeah, that'd be pretty freaking cool. Uh, with the Usos, the Hardys, and Rick and Blackie. Yeah, I could absolutely get behind that because you know Ricochet is going to do something stupid off of a ladder. Well, I mean, essentially, that's what these two have been brought together for. And that's how that they're being essentially how they're being used on the red and blue. I mean, they're highlight machines. Go out there, get all your spots in, everything you have to get in, try to get this this crowd worked up. Wow. And it, it seems like for the most part, people are eating that that up. So let's go to WrestleMania. You've got the Hardys who are there and they're carrying they're bringing in the legacy you know, bringing in the legacy of that thing. Ultimately, if they would have had like the foresight for this thing, I think it would have been tremendous. Uh, maybe the timing, if if ENC were to go into the Hall of Fame, then you've got those tie-ins where you're really hyping up TLC. But you still probably get them involved somewhere through the network hyping this thing, just to you know kind of relive and and bring it about for a new generation. You got you you got the legacy there with the Hardys, you got the Usos who need that WrestleMania moment. And yeah, we would put them right up there with the athleticism of the Hardys or Edge and Christian. Absolutely. They would blend into that. And, and then you well. got, then you seemingly got this next generation. You're, you know, two of the names that you're probably looking forward to, to keep wowing audiences as you progress into the era, the real era. So that's how we're going to unify the tag team titles. We're going to have uh Rick and Blackie win the, uh, the, all the tag titles and then just unify the belts. I'm going to get rid of another championship when we jump on the road to WrestleMania. Well, we don't have to, we'll just unify the red and the blue. They could still be representing the NXT separately. Now I'm, I'm, I'm fine with unifying them all the way around, just like the women's tag titles. I'm absolutely fine with that. Well, I think, I think it still works in the NXTs because you still have the UK ones out there. They each have their own sets. Yeah. Except for the women's brand where you're stretching things out. I don't think you want to take away the, the tag division from NXT because it, it is its own it is its own novelty down there. It is, but it's very, very thin right now. That's for sure. Well, then that's that's why you keep the, the name recognition. And then what you do is through April, you got, you got April and May, you got them going on television representing the NXT tag titles and hopefully because you know damned if they'll ever do it to give NXT uh two minutes of highlight real time on Raw and Smackdown but at least you're getting some more exposure here with the champs representing them rounding things out on this week's episode of NXT we had Io Shirai take on Bianca Belair to see who was going to be the number one contender to Shayna Baszler at TakeOver New York and we have Shayna Baszler come out on commentary 
and then later interrupt this match and just beat up both women. Kyrie Sane comes out to make the save. She gets choked out. And then Io tries to make the save. She gets choked out. Bianca's already been choked out. Baszler just choking everybody out, which is just absolutely fantastic. Baszler says later that nobody inside of NXT is worthy of a women's championship match. So William Regal basically says, screw you, Baszler. And now it's going to be Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, and Bianca Belair all facing Shayna Baszler at TakeOver New York. It's going to be a fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship. Rick, I want Shayna Baszler to do the same thing all over again. I want her to choke all three of these women out and just stay in NXT. Uh, I'm with you 100%. I wish this was an elimination match so that they all would be choked out. And then, and then moving forward, there is one program that I want to see, and it will be absolutely Hot. You want to talk about heating it up for the summertime. And I think, you know, if we're talking about this, that's Baszler and Ripley. Yeah, Baszler and Ripley. Who's the baby face in that program? You know what? I don't even know if I need one. I think by default at this point, you probably have people leaning more towards Ripley, but I don't want to change her attitude. I don't want her to start catering. I don't want her to start catering to the babies. You know what? I, I want this thing to be what we should be seeing you know, more at for the women's match at WrestleMania. You don't have to tell me, you don't have to come right out and say it, but this would be real. Two, two bad, two bad bitches ready to throw down for a championship. Yeah. I would love to see that program. Let's go ahead. Let's jump on the road to WrestleMania. I guess Huckleberry, the place to start is with your host of WrestleMania, the goddess, Miss Alexa Bliss, announcing to us during the moment of bliss this week, she was trying to heal, man, and it just doesn't matter. This is a losing cause. People love Alexa Bliss. People are going to cheer Alexa Bliss. That place popped really, really hard when they when she announced that she was going to be the host of WrestleMania. This, this just seems like a losing effort at this point. Let's just turn Alexa Bliss, babyface. Uh, I, I'm with you there. You know, the people wanted this thing. I think it was pretty clear what they were, where they were going with. Uh, it, it is still beyond me how they don't have anything for her to do. And, and I thought she had lost it. And, and I was eating crow on this one. I thought that she had taken a serious step back as we turned the calendar where, yeah, you had uh, at that time, you know, the alphas, which are still there. You got Rhonda, you got Shar Shar, you got Becky. And we were talking about then, you know, Oscar remaining relevant to showing that she still belongs there so much for that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, then we get to her entrance, Bliss's entrance in the rumble and that place absolutely lost it. Uh, it, it arguably the pop of that match that they still want bliss. People are still invested in her. They respect all of her talents. They want more from her. I think if you're going to make her the host, people are into this thing. We still got to go back. You know, as I we were talking a couple weeks ago, what are they going to do with Bliss? I said, I, I had so had high hopes for this moment of Bliss. I think there could be a decent payoff in a moment for her at WrestleMania. You got to go get her a, a big interview for a moment of Bliss as she is hosting. And, and I know a name that we keep seeing thrown out there is Serena Williams' involvement with, with WWE. You think if they could get anything done there, it would happen at WrestleMania. We don't need her to get in the ring. We don't need any of that stuff. She's not going to start training and become the next Ronda. Just an involvement, just a little crossover promotion. And I'd love to see some kind of interaction between those two, kind of going all the way back to, you know, Rowdy Piper and 
Orton Downey Jr. at WrestleMania so many years ago, just to have that that dynamic there for her her talk show and create a moment that we are going to see the TMZs and entertainment tonight and see y'all in the morning show. They're going to pick all that stuff up. I got another one that I would wouldn't mind seeing, um, and that would be. Yeah, Elias. I want I, I want to see Alexa Bliss involved with this Elias segment that we're gonna get at WrestleMania because we keep getting this tease where Elias is coming out and you know he's ripping on everybody, but now we're seeing it like multiple times on pay per view to where this is becoming a regular thing, kind of honky tonk man style, and I think that we're gonna get the Rock at WrestleMania, but The Rock is going to be involved with some kind of stupid playing guitar segment with Elias, and then he's going to end up putting Elias down with a rock bottom, and that's going to be the end of this thing. This is the only reason I can imagine why they're doing all of this with Elias. But I want to get Alexa Bliss and Dwayne The Rock Johnson together. I want that played everywhere on TMZ as well. Yeah, if, if you could tie those together, because that's that's a Hollywood crossover for you. Yep. Hey, but, but you kind of you, you said something that might happen besides The Rock. You said honky tonk, man. Oh yeah, oh, he's yeah. going into the hall. Yep. Uh, well, th- let's go ahead. Well, let's... Could, could could we have the trifecta? We got Jarrett backstage backstage too. Oh God, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's that's what's going to happen. Uh, let's let's start things off, I guess, with Triple H and Batista, and get this thing out of the way. Well, so, somebody get Man Mountain Rock on the phone too. <laughs> let's get every guitar gimmick we can. There you go. Triple H and Batista, no holds barred because, you know, that's all that we can do with Hunter these days is no holds barred matches. It's seemingly it's kind of becoming the crutch that Jericho was using over in New Japan there for a little while, where it's like, you know, we we know that this match isn't necessarily going to be a technical wrestling classic with it being Triple H versus Batista. So let's make it no holds barred so we can involve chairs and announce tables and sledgehammers. And Rick, what I'm afraid of is the WWE Hall of Fame with DX going into the Hall of Fame. I'm afraid that this is going to be just like a couple of years ago where we saw all these Hall of Famers get trotted out there and we're going to have all of DX out there and we're going to have Honky Tonk Man out there and we're going to have this whole freaking mess of Hall of Famers involved in this Triple H versus Batista match. Oh, I didn't think about that. I, I was going to say, I-, I think this gimmick has been put on here once again, this is another move by Triple H to realize the mistake that was made with Rousey when she broke that barrier, when she's using the no-no words, fake and script. And immediately what that does, yeah, it's shoving people up for what Rousey's got going. Ooh, ooh she, she said the no-no words. It, she's bringing in her, her true MMA side into this. Well, ultimately, you know, she's threatening, you know, I'm really going to hurt these other women. Triple H realizes when you put that spotlight on one match, what it does to everything else. And it's what we've been saying. It's what anyone that knows what the hell, even halfway what they're talking about, has been saying. What you're doing is dumping on everything else. Triple H realizes that. That's why he went Uncle Paul and Big Dave. That's why we're talking about Richard Flair and not the nature boy Ric Flair. That's why we're getting all this. And now he's trying to even that playing field. I want you to know that this is going to be just as violent, if not more violent than anything else you're going to see, (laughs) Ronda Rousey, because we're also real. I'm just not looking forward to the match. But I I am. I have to tend to agree with you on this one. 
You've got all those guys in the house. You know they're going to be wanting some airtime. HBK and X-Pac and the Outlaws. And I hope I hope that they have enough sense to just stay the hell away from this thing. Uh, one, that's what I hope they stay away from at WrestleMania. We do not need to see Batista beating up X-Pac or beating up the Outlaws or uh, maybe a repeat of footage from the Performance Center where Batista shows up and beats up Shawn Michaels. We, we don't need that. You, you've already got what you want, Batista. Going back, man, that guy, he was like a dime store slut at closing hour on a Saturday night bagging for dick, wasn't he? Um, it, it really seems like watching that thing back, as ridiculous as it sounds, it seems like Batista just playing got shook. Getting out there in front of the live crowd, I think he just plain forgot his lines. And it was like Hunter was trying to feed him lines. That's very much what I took out of that promo. It just was not good. I don't feel, you know, we're sitting here uh, March 15th, over three months into the year, and I don't feel like Triple H has cut a good promo this year. He's been stumbling over his words and, and seemed to be losing track on certain times. Hunter's a busy dude. I mean, can you imagine trying to, you're basically trying to run the WWE, you're running NXT. Oh yeah. And now we want you to uh, come back from a torn pectoral muscle so you can get back in the ring with Batista at WrestleMania. And I think Hunter's just got a lot on his plate. Nah, man, I, I'll, I'll give a pass. I'll give a pass to suit and tie, but this is leather jacket. Uncle Paul. Hilarious. Shit is real right now. Okay. No more passes. No holds barred, no more passes, leather coat, Uncle Paul, get it done. Fantastic. Speaking of real, let's talk about Brock Lesnar. I I, I guess I I hope that we don't see Batista interacting with Triple H and DX at the Hall of Fame. Oh, no, that I completely agree with that. I do not need it all. Let's uh, let's talk about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar taking on Seth Rollins, of course, for the championship of the universe at WrestleMania. Uh, So this week, the Shield comes out and says their goodbyes. Roman and Dean leave. Seth finally refocuses on the fact that he has the biggest match of his life coming up in about three weeks and looks at the WrestleMania sign. Heyman comes out, cuts his promo until, you know, Seth Rollins is attacked by Shelton Benjamin, who is also real and a good friend of Brock Lesnar's. And then we end up with Paul Heyman on commentary. What did you think of this whole segment on Monday night? Because this thing just seems so convoluted to me, Rick. It's, it's just, it literally gives me a freaking headache. Uh, you know what? I was on both sides of the coin here. You know, the stuff between Seth and Paul, I mean, everything's the same with Paul. Uh, he, he is really, really good at what he does. But, you know, it's, it's just like we're just we're just listening to the same promo over and over at this point. And I think Seth, Seth did a pretty good job of reestablishing himself as, you know, hey, I am still that top guy right now. I have my opportunity against Lesnar. I am focused moving forward. What really got me here, man, I got excited when I saw Shelton Benjamin attack him from behind. I enjoyed the Shelton Benjamin part of it. Absolutely. And, and I enjoyed Heyman putting him over on commentary. Well, I love how you say that, you know, him and Lesnar are friends. Paul was quick to correct that. I don't know if they're friends, but they know each, you know, they're associates with one another. They're they're as friends as Brock Lesnar can be with anybody. I guess let's put it that way. They're training partners. (laughs) Yes. So 
But man, I got excited when I saw that. I said, this is something different. Someone actually thought about this. We see Seth every week taking on these same superstars over and over. So someone had a good idea here. Let's tie in Shelton Benjamin. And I love the suplexes that he was hitting beforehand. What got me here is I'm excited for this. Why do you give me this as the opening match? Yeah. Why are you not holding me in here for a little bit? I know you've got other plans later on. You've got your Roman stuff there, and you need to set the. But this could have been in that, that transition, your hot transition, you know, between our, you know, that middle of hour two to hour three. And then you could have done the, your other business. Now, I, it really bothered me that they went to this so fast. The thing that bothers me is just the way everything is so damn convoluted inside of the WWE. And I'm not exactly sure if Seth Rollins is actually real or if he's a figment of my imagination because we have Roman Reigns come out who is actually Joe because he told us that. And we know that Joe had cancer, but Roman also had cancer, but we know that Roman is Joe. So that's all the same person. And then we have John Good, who's actually Dean Ambrose, but you know, Ambrose is leaving the company. So that makes him a good guy, even though he's basically been cast as a bad guy but we're referring to him as john good on twitter and we know that he's leaving but later we have dean ambrose well, we, versus we, we know all about his personal life because yeah through, you know renee and now that they talk about it openly during the, the actual wrestling program right and then we have you know brock lesnar who we know is real because he's actually brock lesnar who's represented by paul Heyman, who's also real and he's actually paul Heyman. and then we have you know who Shel- doesn't give a fuck <laughs> right and then we have shelton benjamin who's actually you know real life quote unquote friends with brock lesnar they went to the University of Minnesota together. So Shelton Benjamin is actually real. But then we have Seth Rollins, who's Colby Lopez, but we don't call him Colby Lopez. We just call him Seth Rollins. And I don't know if Seth Rollins is real or a figment of my fucking imagination. Well, is he even really Colby Lopez? I mean, that's an adopted name. Well, see, and this is what this is what happens when you start throwing around the Dave and Paul and Rebecca Quinn and everything just starts getting so goddamn convoluted. And that's why it's a bad idea to freaking begin with. It just it ruins everything. Pisses Very me good off. Point. All right, so let's talk about Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, it seems as though, is going to be positioned against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, we get the big kind of injury angle here on Raw, which I actually thought was really, really smart. We're saving Roman's first match back for WrestleMania, and it's going to be against Drew McIntyre. I think that kind of helps sell WrestleMania, doesn't it? Uh, I, I liked how they handled this as well. This is something, yeah, that... Roman's hot right now. People are interested in what he's doing here. And you've got these these sort of firsts for him uh, on this return. So it, it seems fresh. So this is something they were smart about. You know, they have Roman come out. Hey, I want a match tonight. We get the amount. We get the, the match announced early. Didn't do a whole, you know, just besides the graphics and all that. Not a whole lot of hype. But they've got enough backstory between these two. They, they, they put together that package where they reminded us about Corbin. You know what the you know his his choice words for Roman and his situation, so that's enough heat for it. So people are looking forward to that, but then they protect it, and and then they with the card subject to change, they throw in what we know Dean for. He's supposed to be the lunatic fringe, so we're going to have it as a no disqualification. Anything goes, and what we get is Drew just absolutely devastating Dean here. This made me you know even think. All right, is this are they writing Dean off? That was my question. Was that the end of Dean Ambrose on WWE television? 
Well, I, I did reach out. So I'm getting now. This is still under the assumption that this is a work. And we're going to end up with a feel-good in-ring moment where, as you said it, Jonathan Good comes out and re-signs his contract. Ah, see? Ah, tricky, and tricky, which, tricky. Which is another, you tie that into another Roman Reigns feel-good moment. There you go. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. I mean, obviously, it's it's not going to be the top of the card, but I think that's a good undercard match for WrestleMania, Roman's big return match. Uh, I think this is, is a great match. He's coming back. This will be the first time. And what they can do is they can play that injury last week, you know, that he's not necessarily cleared yet, but they expect him to be. Yep, I like it. So you do this at, at WrestleMania. My only other question there is, you know, Drew is running around talking about how he's going to dismantle the shield for once in all, he is going to put this thing to an end in these next couple of weeks. Is he going to intertwine himself involving Seth Rollins? Hmm. Because you, you got to think, you know, that target is either Roman or Seth. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll kind of come back to this one a little bit because there's there's something very, very strange going on here with this card. Let's assume that we're going to get Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan one-on-one for the WWE mid-card eco-friendly championship of the world at WrestleMania. That's assuming that Kofi can run the gauntlet this coming Tuesday on SmackDown. Rick, I, I hate that we're overexposing the gauntlet match, but I do like it in this scenario. But I, I feel like we've had way too many gauntlet matches in a very short period of time here. Well, you know, even at this point, what were we've seen, yeah, I mean, just going back where Kofi, where that shine came from. Well, and before that, even going back to when Rollins ran it on Raw, like we've seen like three or four gauntlet matches within the span of about a year here, and that's just too much for this gimmick. I'm just wondering if they're if they're really trying to if they're overdoing the Kofi act here, just hamming it up too much. And I'm wondering if Kofi is going to win this match because I mean, when I, I look at this lineup, all right, so we start off with Randy Orton. Obviously we have a huge history between Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston. That's the phase one of this thing. Then we go on to Samoa Joe, Sheamus, Cesaro, and Eric Rowan. Um, Rick, there's no way that Kofi Kingston can win this match. I, I, I don't think that there's any way Kofi Kingston wins this match. I think we're still trying to figure out how Kofi is going to get to WrestleMania after Tuesday. Otherwise, I feel like you're basically just burying the entire SmackDown roster. I feel like Kofi's getting screwed on Tuesday. Do they have a stipulation on this refreshment? Do they have a stipulation that if anyone beats Kofi that they get to go to WrestleMania? Um, or is that just still completely in the air? Uh, I believe that's still completely in the air. Well, because here's what I'm really seeing this thing. You know, as I look at the people that I would expect him, that Kofi in singles match could, you know, it's going to beat Sheamus, Cesaro, and Rowan. I, I would believe that any day of the week. Uh, it gets a little tougher when we're talking about a Randy Orton. As you, you say, no, there is tremendous history between those two. It was one of the hottest programs of, of probably, what, the last decade with those two. Yep. Definitely Kofi's highlight to this point in his career with WWE. Yeah, the Madison Square Garden match. Uh, Joe is uh, an absolute just killer right now, and he seems refocused, and the drive is there that he is representing with gold. Uh, but, you know, talking to Orton, I, I fully expect that AJ Styles will give an assist there. 
So then it comes down to how do you get by Joe? I could see Kofi because it's, it's, it's not going to be any shocker to anyone to see a champ take a pin. Yeah, there, there so is Co- that. So Kofi can go over him there. But I think, you know, when we're talking about he doesn't win this match, I think you continue the heat that we're getting here. Uh, cue up the music, no chance in hell. And, and Mr. McMahon adds someone else to this match. And at that point, Kofi has nothing left in the gas tank. He's just celebrated. You know, he's probably just overspent anything he's got in the celebration. Oh, here comes the music. You've got an, you've got someone else that you you're scheduled to face tonight. Win this one and you're in, I promise. But obviously he doesn't win that match. All right. We'll come back to this one too. Yeah. I, I've got something going here. So now we have Becky versus Charlotte versus Rousey. That's right. I have this all the way down to like fourth on the freaking card at this point now, Rick, I, they, they've just, they've absolutely ruined this entire program for me, but they did take my advice. They absolutely listened to the Monday locker room and they were like, God damn, Jargo, that's pretty damn smart. We're going to have Becky Lynch come out on SmackDown Live and say, this was my plan all along. I got so into Becky or into Ronnie's head that she was going to come out and interfere in the match. And that's why I was smirking at the end of the match. (laughs) I'm an absolute mastermind. That's the story that we're going with. Okay. Just doesn't feel like it has the heat to me. Well, here it just goes back, and you know, a great partner of ours over on Last Word on Pro Wrestling, Mr. Jamie Greer. You know, he he chimed in on a conversation uh, over on Facebook and Hummy Media Discussion Group. You know, where a lot of people were expressing, you know, that they, they don't like how confusing that this program has been. And you know, he was quick to defend it. He's like, "Well, it's been easy to follow." And I don't think when we're talking about confusing, we're not meaning in the sense of we don't understand it. It's just that they've made unnecessary moves for the sake of making a move week to week where, you know, we're flip flopping. You're suspended, but we're not going to punish you for just randomly showing up. There is no there's no repercussions for your actions going directly against what management, what the authority figures have told you. You know, and then she's going to jail. Then then she has to see a doctor. But it's okay now she sees her. It's just they're just throwing these twists in here. Because I don't think they, they they didn't really know how to get themselves to this point. Yeah, it's like we're, we're, we're swerving just for the sake of swerving. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of Don Callis's podcast, Killing the Town. At a certain point, that's what's going to end up happening here. They, they've kind of killed this program for me, you know, to where this this should have clearly been the main event of WrestleMania. And now I feel like there's like four matches that I'd rather see before this match. Well, I mean, this kind of goes back to where do you start these WrestleMania programs? I mean, is it's and I know there's been a great debate about are we have are there too many marquee special event programs? You know, like the Elimination Chamber and Fastlane. Are those killing it? Is it just that we don't trust creative to keep us tuned in to keep us invested for four months? Because this one really started back. This one started before Survivor Series. Yeah, that's when the, that's when the whole thing really got going. When it was supposed to be Becky versus Ronda at Survivor Series. And you think about it, they've had some some lucky accidents that have prevented those two from staying apart long enough. But in those, but in each of those cases, they keep confusing and swerving for the sake of swerving, and it seemed to have just diminished so much heat from this program yep 
Absolutely. And this is another one that we're going to have to come back to after we talk about this next one. All right. And that's the Kurt Angle retirement match. We know that Kurt Angle came out on Monday Night Raw and he says that he is going to officially retire at WrestleMania. So, Rick, there's a few possibilities floating out there. Obviously, the two hottest ones are Baron Corbin and John Cena. I want to throw another one in there, and that's Samoa Joe, because I have a great pitch for Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe. But... I think all of these matches, Kurt Angle has to win his retirement match at WrestleMania, the way that they're kind of building this thing. Don't you don't you think or is it just me? I think from what we've seen from him over, you know, the last couple of months where he can't get that big win. You know, he's been put down repeatedly. So you'd think at this point. That's what he wants. That's what he's going for. But now, now each town that he's going to retire, would you keep him off? I know the Pittsburgh last week, that meant something. That's his hometown. Absolutely. Yep. To get that win. So would you keep him out of the ring until then? Or do you play it up? This, this is the farewell tour. He's going to have a farewell match in each of these cities. I think I keep him off TV this week because the match I want is Samoa Joe. And and this is the reason that I want the Samoa Joe match. Number one, we have all the history between Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle that the diehard wrestling fans that are going to be paying to go to WrestleMania, we know that history. All right. So I, I firmly support them doing that match. I understand the John Cena connection. I understand the Baron Corbin connection. But here's the thing. Samoa Joe is the United States champion. I told you I was going to get rid of another belt. I want Kurt Angle to retire as the United States champion. I think Kurt Angle deserves that. He's a gold medalist. He won it with a broken freaking neck. And then retire the United States championship along with it. I don't think that we need this title. It's been basically all but forgotten in the WWE universe. I mean, hell, it was barely relevant until R-Truth won it and started doing the John Cena open challenge. But I, I firmly support this. Let's have Kurt Angle retire as United States champion and retire the United States championship. Well, you know, obviously too, I, I, when I saw Joe on the run here, I didn't think about immediately. I didn't think about tying together the United States champion and, and the American Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Uh, I immediately went to their great history from TNA impact wrestling. Yep. Uh, there was one time where these two had a match for every single championship in the promotion. It, it was it was a one-on-one for the X division for the tag team championship and for their world heavyweight championship. So what I kind of want, let's keep Kurt Angle off of TV this week and Tuesday on SmackDown. I want a segment with Joe backstage 30 seconds. So before he goes out for the gauntlet match and say, Hey, Kurt, you're looking for a retirement match. I'll give you a retirement match when I put your ass to sleep at WrestleMania. And Joe and Joe has the delivery that I only need 30 seconds and I am fully invested in that match. And I, I, I want them if, if they could to recapture some of the history in the ring between them. My fear would be that we get Joe. Hey, let's look at some of his last big pro- programs. Joe out there. Well, you're a drug addict. How many DUIs you got, Kurt? And you're a terrible father. Yeah, that would worry me if they would go that direction. I could get behind that. And ultimately, though, you know, two of the names on here, another one that everyone has immediately jumped to because it just brings things kind of full circle would be John Cena. To me, I think 
one, we've already got our throwback for the marquee, that being Uncle Paul and Big Dave. That's our throwback. I don't know if we need another match like that at WrestleMania this year. I'm more I'm more vested in seeing or hopeful to see John Cena versus Samoa Joe. I think that's the better program. That does better business. When it comes to Kurt, I don't know exactly who, but I'd almost rather see him go out on his back and give someone that ultimate rub. In that case, the man that I want to challenge, Kurt Angle at WrestleMania, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I want the original bro. I want Matt Riddle to be the man to retire Kurt Angle. And I think that match would be absolutely freaking fantastic. Give that rub to somebody who is just as legit as Kurt Angle was in Matt Riddle. Uh, Unfortunately, I would love to see that. It's just the timing for this is terrible. Yeah, it is. And also also out there, everyone's, we've got, when the hell are they going to bring Jordan back? I don't think he is coming back, man. Well, I think he is coming back. And I don't think with this, especially now we're going towards real, that we're going to have him involved. I think you see him reemerge sometime in the late spring, summer, after Kurt has faded away. I could get behind a Matt Riddle and Jason Jordan program. That'd be pretty freaking I think that I think that could be a great program somewhere down the line. You're talking in a year or so from now, but... I think I think it'll be there. So here's what I wanted to do. Now, let's go back to the beginning, all right? Because we have this terrible booking conundrum on the WrestleMania card. We have the Kurt Angle retirement match. I feel like Kurt Angle has to win that. We have Becky versus Charlotte versus Rousey. I feel like Becky Lynch has to win that. We have Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. I feel like Kofi has to win that. We have Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins has to win that. We have Triple H versus Batista. You know Triple H is going to win that. I understand WrestleMania is supposed to be a babies up show, but all these people are not getting a happy ending. I was going to say, uh, who's running this show? Bob Kraft? Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying, man. Happy, There's- happy endings for everyone. Uh, and I don't necessarily think, you know, a lot of these things, when you really break them down to like how you're presenting here, when, when we when we block everything together, yeah, you got to start picking and choosing here. Uh, and, uh, and, and Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, because, you know, Roman's got to win his return match. So, I mean, the, like, s- somebody's not getting happy endings here. Like, something's going to go very, very wrong at WrestleMania, the way that they're building all these stories, because I feel like all these matches, you have to go babies up. And I think when we actually, when we're sitting there in real time and watching this card play out, that'll be very interesting. Uh, the two that come out to me, hey, how many times have we seen this before, though? Brock's losing. He's on his way out. He's done. He strikes a, a deal in, in the 12th hour. And he goes out there and goes over. And here's my fear. If that happens, what happens to Roman Reigns the night after WrestleMania? He's going to get booed out of the freaking building because it's going to be a symbol. Everything's going right back to the way that it was. And Roman Reigns is going to beat Brock Lesnar. And they're going to go right back to shoving Roman down your throat. And it's going to backlash right in their freaking face. I I think, you know, immediately that's what it screams. You know, you go back. If Rollins couldn't do it, who goes over Brock? Oh, yeah, the big dog's back here. Because, yep. and, and you know what? We're talking about people that can legitimately match up with, with Brock Lesnar. How sad is it that we're once again on the road to WrestleMania and they have absolutely squat to do with Braun Strowman? Uh, now he's now it doesn't even look like they're not even hyping anything with DeAndre the Giant. I haven't even heard anything about that. 
So maybe they are doing away with the Battle Royals. But what we do know is he's promising some kind of interaction, uh, which I guess, you know, by the time a lot of people are listening to us Saturday night, uh, he, is he is he heading to Saturday Night Live for the taping? He didn't make the promise he would see them on the weekend update, and they were going to get these hands. So is that so is is Braun in a novelty thing? So how are we going to take him serious as another filler challenger to Brock Lesnar? I think ultimately, you know, one of the of the ones that people are really, really banking on. I, I know you're you're assuming Kofi and Brian is a one on one. I think that we're going to see that turn into like a fatal four way so that they can get around Kofi not getting the title, but not losing. But I, I think, you know, that, that one right there could incite a riot. I think there's only one way. If you, if you want Daniel Bryan to retain that championship, you have to break up new day. I feel like if you're going to do that, Big E has to turn on Kofi Kingston and cost him the championship and have the storyline basically be Big E now becomes angry black man. And I'm I'm not going to sit by and I'm not going to wait 11 years for my opportunity. And, and you and you get Big E becomes basically you know big angry black man. And he's just pissed off at the freaking world, which kind of goes into the crazy eyes and his demeanor, the way that he was talking to Vince McMahon. I could see where he doesn't like the way Kofi is handling this thing, where you're just sitting back and you're just taking this. I'm sick of it, dude. And Big E just goes psychotic heel. Well, I mean, what if Big E is like I was talking about McMahon adding a, a new challenger in the gauntlet match? I mean, what if that is Big E? You yeah. know, Kevin Owens keeps keeps hammering home. Anyone would take this opportunity. You're insane if you would not take, you know, be, you know, be given a chance to win, be the WWE champion. Ultimately, through all of this, I'm going to stick with you. I know everybody. Becky's got to win. This has got to be her moment. Rousey, she's she's the biggest free agent they've, they've signed in 25 years. When we look going forward, what they want to, what they're going to want to remember from this moment, especially if these ladies close this show, which I, I think this would absolutely set that place on freaking fire, uh, like literally on fire, riots everywhere here. They'll be spilling out into the streets. Uh, Billy Ray Valentine, him and his crew will be there chucking their bricks. Charlotte could win this damn thing because going five to ten years from now, you know, when she's going into the Hall of Fame. Which is we're seeing a bunch of two time men two timers go in this year. I think they're going to try to reserve that right for the women for Charlotte in some way to get the the horse women hot at some time to go in. But when they're looking at footage and the career and the resume of Charlotte Flair, they might want to they might want to staple this to it. I am going to murder whoever's car alarm is going off in the background right now. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I assure you, it's not my car, but it's really uh, starting to irritate the shit out of me. It's Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is coming. Oh, it was probably Braun Strowman. He's probably trying to destroy the car. Um, I thought it was funny, man, because a couple of weeks ago, Carly and I were at the store, and I sent you the picture. We went and we got Quinn one of those NXT championships. While we were there, we're we're going through the WWE toy aisle, right? And they had a break-apart car with Braun Strowman and Carly and I kind of laughed about it. And we thought that it was absolutely ridiculous. And then Monday on raw, sure enough. And it's like the same exact paint job on the car and everything. And it was just like, Oh 
my God. Well, now I guess there are some people that are seriously irritated by this. And I feel like if there wasn't so much going on inside of the WWE, that this would be a much bigger story right now. It's kind of like the Roman Reigns cancer shirt when they sent out that email blast immediately after that segment, they're sending out the email blast that you too can have the breakup art car Braun Strowman for $29.99. It was absolutely freaking ridiculous. And when they, they keep doing money grabs like this, that turns people off to this product. Hey, somewhere there's a whole warehouse full of those shark cage uh, ring sets too. So keep your eye out for those coming back to a, a toy aisle near you. I expect that will be Leo Rush in the cage this time against Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley. Uh, let's talk about the match that I think I'm probably the most excited let's put for. Balor, let's put Balor in the cage and have the demon in the match. Hey, there you go. I like that. Uh, it'll be Jordan Devlin. Uh, let's talk about uh, the, the match that I'm probably the most intrigued by at this point, and that is AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Uh, I might be very well could be disappointed in this match because you get you you know, your customary mid-match headlock out of Randy Orton and whatnot. But the way that they're building this thing, man, it is the indie wrestlers versus the WWE. And it immediately made me think of our conversations about real. You know what? This felt real because this absolutely plays into everything that Randy Orton says on Twitter, everything that he puts out on Instagram. You could absolutely see AJ Styles taking umbrage with this and saying, you know what, Randy, it's a good thing you didn't have to go through the indies because you never would have made it in the indies because you are a three-star general. That's basically what AJ Styles had to say to Randy Orton. I freaking love this program. I just really, really, really hope that the match lives up to what it could be if we have a motivated Randy Orton. Yeah, I'm with you. And I hope we're getting, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, give these guys 10, 12 minutes. So you're not really pressing Randy all that much, but get, ask him for his absolute best 10 or 12 minutes. And I think you could get that. And as you said, this thing's going to probably happen earlier in the show. It, it's a, it's a great mid card headline that's bringing people in. And this is what Randy's been doing for a while. You know, it, it hasn't been, that he's going after the young guys. He was going after them darling. Those people that are kind of identified or relatable with, you know, the indie style. And when you get down to it, I mean, AJ Styles is kind of the, the king of the indies. Yeah. So what he's been able to do to break through that glass ceiling, to take that style, to take that love, the passion from that, that consumer base and headline major events to become a marquee main event player in WWE. He's done things that no one's ever thought that he would be able to do. And he's, and he's paving this way for other individuals that now they can believe in it. They can get there and achieve there, but there's just an individual like Randy Orton who is there to stop him, who is, who was a pedigree who was brought in for greatness at the time when he took the belt, you know, the youngest champion that the company had seen. I mean, the resume is endless. He's, he's going to be talked about by the company as one of the all-time greatest professional wrestlers that there ever has laced up the boots. And way they're building this up, it is right. It, it, it's They're not blatantly coming out and, sit and telling you what they mean, the subtleness, but you can read through the lines. It, it is great. It's real. And what helps it make it real is because Randy's being freaking Randy Orton. Randy Orton's going to win this match. 
uh, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, when you're doing your pick'em challenge, however many points you can put on it, Randy Orton is going to win this match. It's the Indies versus the WWE. There's no way the WWE doesn't win that match. And we all know that WrestleMania is all about moments. So, Rick, the big question, what's the RKO spot? That's that's really how this match will always be remembered. Remember that super sweet RKO that Randy Orton hit on AJ Styles when AJ did what? And Randy reverses it into an RKO. I'm going to say phenomenal forearm from inside the ring to the announce table gets caught with an RKO. Ooh, that would be a sweet one. That would be and, a sweet. You one. know what? Kind of going back to this, this is kind of the ultimate, the ultimate shot at the indie darlings, if you will. We're talking about the potential of all these babies going over. This is when they could slide in there and no one would really have any idea that they just took a cheap shot at you. Tweet of the week goes to EC3. Somebody asked EC3 on Twitter, are you just going to let Randy Orton talk about your aunt like that? And EC3 simply responded, yep. Tweet of the week from EC3. Uh, we, we talk about babies going over. Um, and, and so you're looking for heels to win on this show. I think this is one too. The Miz takes on Shane McMahon. Of course, Shane McMahon has to win this match. The The question is, Rick, Hunter already stole the no holds barred gimmick. So what gimmick are we going to throw on this match so that Shane McMahon can jump off of something? Well, maybe that's just as easy. Uh, okay. Throw in the towel. Ooh, I like that. So what you have Mr. Miz and Mrs. Corner and Vince and Shane's corner. Uh, you know what I, you know what I'd really like to do with a twist where we are, we've been introduced to Shane's family and I think they're probably old enough. What about the oldest kid? Ooh, that would be good. We we've seen, you know, how agonizing it has been at times for his family to watch what Shane puts his body through where he has, uh, worn the crimson mask and the kids are around in the back and especially you know I, i'm kind of going back to the cage the cell match with undertaker and, and just how terrified his kids look at times yep. so if, if they can get by with the oldest what if we've had kids involved and this just isn't any kid this is a this is a goddamn mcmahon pal i, I would like to see something like that and where you, you got Mr. Miz, you got maybe the oldest one or maybe the wife. I just don't think you do it with Vince because let's be honest. I mean, if it's if it really is, if it's about wrestling, Vince is tied up in other things right now. There's no way he would even bring the towel with him. I, kill yourself, kid. I, I need ratings. Well, I mean, isn't that the appeal? I need a spectacle. Isn't that the appeal? Like, you know, there's no chance in hell Vince McMahon is throwing in the towel. Like, go ahead and kill him. I don't care. Well, it, it, you know, I think you know you get to the point where Miz just makes his dad swear that you're not going to. No, I won't. I, I, I won't throw in the towel. But ultimately, does. Or you could get the ultimate swerve here. I mean, uh, Mr. Miz is a McMahon mark. Hmm. You know, maybe he turns on the Miz, and we get the ultimate sympathy here. 
That would be ridiculous. Uh, Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley. Seems like we're building to this. Um, there's a report floating around there, Rick, and this is just hilarious to me. There's a report floating around there that we took the Intercontinental Championship off of Finn Balor and put it back on Bobby Lashley because we have big plans for Finn Balor at WrestleMania. Well, I'm looking at the roster and everybody who's a big deal is already occupied for WrestleMania. So what big thing could we possibly have for Finn Balor at WrestleMania? Here's another issue here. The only big thing you could possibly have with him is the long lost and forgotten demon. And at this point, this thing has been drug out, drug through the mud every which way possible. I mean, this screams kickoff show at this point. I would rather outside see, of a cool entrance. Do you really are? Can you get invested? Do you give a shit about this? I would rather see Demon Balor versus Blackheart Leo Rush than I would Demon Balor versus Bobby Lashley. And I don't even. I, I don't believe that he has to dig in so deep that he needs the demon to do this. No, there's nothing personal enough that feels like this warrants the demon in any way, shape or form. It's like they, number one, they don't understand the demon and they never have. It's like nobody, nobody at the WWE can read Jekyll and Hyde. They have absolutely no idea what the demon is supposed to be. It's just beyond their mental grasp. What they need is they need to hire Samantha smart and bring her IQ superior knowledge to the WWE creative team instead of Dana warrior. But I, nothing about this feels personal enough to warrant Demon Balor versus Bobby Lashley. I understand we got a couple of weeks here, but, you know, I would rather do, you know, the Blackheart Leo Rush. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just just Google some of Leo Rush's stuff from before he got to the WWE. He used to do all kinds of crazy makeup stuff, too. And so you'd have Blackheart Leo Rush versus the Demon Finn Balor, makeup versus makeup, and the, and the loser can never wear the gimmick again. That's more interesting, but to it me all seems. But even that seems so rushed. Well, yeah, I mean, like, but that I, that's more appealing to me than Demon Balor versus Bobby Lashley. I ju- I have no desire to see this match. Yeah, here's my thing. There's there's hardly anything they can do here to make me interested in this. Yeah, I mean, because basically the story that you have told me is Finn Balor beat Bobby Lashley's manager to win the Intercontinental Championship, and the second Bobby Lashley had a chance to go one-on-one with Finn Balor, he won it back. So Balor is a freaking loser who can't beat Bobby Lashley. That's that's basically the story that you have told me. And when I'm looking for heels to win on this show, Bobby Lashley goes over. Like, I don't see anything big for Finn Balor at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess maybe the biggest thing is you could put in Balor to take on Kurt Angle, but I mean, we'd have to sit and think about a story for that. Yeah, and if Lashley's going over, I don't want the Demon because the Demon is still unbeaten. It's like the only thing sacred inside of the WWE at this point, even though they have absolutely no idea what the fuck to do with it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let's uh, let's kind of round things out with the women's tag division. Yeah, because that's still a thing. The Iconics are going to take on the Boss and Hug Connection. That's what it seems like the program is going to be, at least in my eyes. We've got the Iconics laying out challenges to the Boss and Hug Connection, saying basically, yeah, you've got you don't have any balls. You're going down to NXT and issuing challenges. How come you ain't come to SmackDown yet? Because we're here and we're waiting. 
I like that matchup. I, I could absolutely get behind the Iconics and versus the Boss and Hug Connection because it seems like we're going to do LOP versus Natty and Beth Phoenix. If there's ever a match that screamed kickoff show, that's it to me. LOP versus Natty and Beth Phoenix. My question is, where's Trish and Lita? Weren't we supposed to do Trish and Lita versus the Boss and Hug Connection? I, I, I'm going to say here, you're you're kind of putting it on LOP versus Natty and Beth. I think just because of Phoenix, that could that could come house slide its way out of the card. I think that outshines your championship belt. Hey, I, I've been digging the Iconics work here of late, but they've been so cooled off since leaving NXT. I, I, to me, that screams if you want to watch that match, Jargo, you better be ready to be tuned in at, at four at four o'clock Eastern when they go to the air because that screams the first match of the afternoon to. Who else is there? Well, that's what I'm going with. You know, this rumor that with long running rumor, even before that they actually had announced the titles that whoever had won them would be challenged by Trish and Lita at WrestleMania. But as we're looking at this here, we're just a couple of weeks away. We, we've got to get on the ball. Yeah. I mean, like we haven't even had them mentioned. There's there, there's been no mention of Trish or Lita other than Bailey saying something on Twitter about it right after they won the titles. Uh, again, to me, it seems like I, I know that they've gone to NXT. They're going to go down there and defend and all that stuff. Uh, I would like to see this. This just screams to me. In any case, these titles are not getting over. And, and that's all the fault of of creative. Nothing against the talent here. This should be one of those big multi-person matches uh, somewhere on the pre-show. So I, I actually think that what we're going to end up getting is they're going to blend these two together. We're going to get a fatal flow win. Anything else that you're seeing as WrestleMania worthy, kind of looking at the WWE landscape at this point? I mean, so far, I feel like this is the card. Uh, pretty much, you know, and then outside, we're getting to 205. Yep, we're going to have uh, Buddy Murphy defending against somebody. From, from the Buddy Murphy Classic or whatever they got going on there. But yeah, this seems to be the way it is going to pan out. And it's hard when you're looking at it for the storyline purposes, a lot of babies going over. Maybe we are going to have that the happiest of happy ending WrestleManias. Well, I mean, we, we still have tag titles, so we we don't have the raw tag titles listed on here. As I, I get it. You know, as, as I mentioned, though, you know what I'd like to see there. Yep. Uh, I don't care what you give me from raw. Nothing over there is interesting enough uh, with the current teams in the division. So that's a pre-show for me. Uh, I think the biggest story about all of your tag team stuff would be letting uh, Rick and, and Blackie just try to, you know, challenge for all of them. And then and then you always want that big wow factor match at WrestleMania. We have them all the time. And I, and I think that would come in the form of TLC in the SmackDown division championship. If you end up doing John Cena versus Kurt Angle, uh, we're still looking for a match for Samoa Joe. This week on SmackDown, it kind of felt like they were giving Rey Mysterio the rub. So maybe you could get Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe. I could see that as an undercard match on WrestleMania. Um, anything else that really stands out? Is there anybody else that you're like, oh, we don't have anything for fill in the blank at this point? You know, th- still the biggest hit scratch to me is Braun Strowman. You throughout the year, you build this guy up. I mean, he has legit size and the look of a true main eventer. But if this is the same case every year come this time, they don't know what to do with him. So eventually, you know, again, when when summertime rolls around and you want us to believe that he's some kind of credible challenger, we're going to stop buying it at some point. Yeah. 
So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then go over, visit our friends over at the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Go visit our friends like, you know, Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl. It also airs on the HTM Podcast Network. We also got Ryan and Michael over there at thegorillaposition.com with Going Home. We've also got our friends Jamie over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com. Visit them daily for all of your pro wrestling needs. Make sure that you hit us at HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Give that a subscribe so you can catch Huckleberry and I. We're going to be reviewing 17th anniversary this Monday over in the locker room, as well as your Raw and SmackDown Live previews. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook and Twitch, Hitting the Marks. Email us, HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv how do the peeps the freaks and the geeks find you well as always you can keep up with everything rbv across all social media platforms at the real rbv man this has been a uh we're on a bit of delay because of this cold kick in my butt but uh i think i gave it every bit of energy i had man uh, i'm ready for that <laughs> Enjoy 17th anniversary, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the New Japan Cup. We'll talk to you Monday. HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Under the ring with Jargo, RBV, Hornswoggle. Who else we got under there? We got Bray Wyatt underneath of the ring. I'm pretty sure the Hardys just kind of live under here at this point. All kinds of crazy people joining the show. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Watch your fingers. Enable me.
your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bag of hearts.